Welcome to your province, your premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. In Calgary, the show is broadcast on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day, but this is really your opportunity to speak with a Premier, to ask your questions, voice your concerns, and raise any issues that you feel need to be addressed. It's your chance to speak with a Premier one-on-one, whatever's on your mind. But keep it short, keep it respectful, and you'll have to be a bit patient because we get a lot of calls and texts. And if a question has already been asked by a previous caller, you won't be able to ask it again. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. You could call or text in Calgary at 403-974-8255 at Edmonton, 780-496-0063 and across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Great to be back. I hope you can hear me all right. Uh, we can, and I, I know that you are on the phone because you're in Red Deer. Today is the day, and prior to what some people maintain was a controversial UCP board decision to change to mail-in ballots, and what others saw as simply a logical, common-sense response to the unexpected overcapacity issues, today is when the UCP members would have, been, would have been voting in person in Red Deer on whether to endorse your leadership. Now, instead, as I understand it, all registered party members will begin receiving their ballots after today's special general meeting, and that's being held virtually starting right after the show at 11 o'clock, and those ballots will have to be mailed back and received by May 11th. Results to be announced May 18th. Premier Kenny, yesterday, MLA Brian Jean withdrew an arbitration dispute filed over that mail-in vote. He said after reviewing evidence, he was confident that most of the names on the registered party voter list are legit and it's time to let them vote. But that was before the latest development. Now, instead of popping their ballots in the mail, it's been reported that members can now drop them off at specific locations for group collection. And that's got the same critics all hot and bothered again this time about potential ballot harvesting. What's your response? Well, I don't know about the details, Wayne. I really That's new to me. As I understand the rules, people mail them in. Uh, they go to Deloitte uh, and they hold them and then they're opened in the presence of scrutineers and counted in an appropriate way, the same process the federal conservatives use. So um, I'd be happy to, to look into that with uh, party folks, but um, at the, the, the end of the day, this is going to be people can only have to have an individually sealed envelope with their uh, a photograph, or we should say a photocopy of their personal government-issued ID uh, in a separate envelope um, to ensure the security of the whole process. And uh, there's a in- independent uh, chief returning officer and the auditors who oversee all of that. All right. Now, with regards to Brian Jean withdrawing his arbitration dispute, will this have an impact on the outcome of the vote? No, I don't think so. That You know, when all of that is just so much noise. I, I know that there are some folks with uh, who still haven't gotten over the decision of our members in the last leadership election. Uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, we've moved on. We've moved on and won the largest uh, democratic mandate in Alberta history, the first government ever to win a million votes. We've moved on and implemented nearly 90% of our platform commitments that we gave Albertans in the last election. Sure. And we've moved on through three historic once-in-a-century crises, uh, coming out stronger on the other side with the strongest economy in Canada. Uh, and that's where I focus my attention. It's okay. not on uh, sour grapes or grinding axes. What about the open letter of support for you issued this past week from 19 former MLAs? Do you think that will help sway party voters? And I guess my question is, how did that letter come about? Did your leadership campaign team reach out asking for their help? 
Um, oh, I'm not exactly sure. I, I know that I had a lot of uh, former MLAs uh, approach me over the last few months, just encouraging me and expressing support and saying they were working on, on demonstrating that. I know there's a whole lot more who uh, support continuity and unity in our party than, than just signed that letter. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, I've been everywhere from Medicine Hat to La Crete and everywhere in between in the last few weeks, getting around the province, um, meeting with the uh, uh, Albertans and, and uh, meeting with, in many cases, conservative members. And I'm just really encouraged by the positive spirit. People are, people are focused on the future. The ones, the folks that I've been meeting uh, don't want us to do- drive into the ditch of division that led us to uh, an NDP government with a vote split. You know, in, okay. 20, in 2005, Ralph Klein was pretty much kicked to the curb after winning four elections. We went into a, a downward cycle of division, went through four PC leaders, ended up with two conservative parties, handed the next election to the NDP on a platter. And I don't think most Al- uh, Alberta conservatives want to relive that experience. No. Now, now, whether you win or lose, is it fair to say that the United Conservative Party is not united, that it is a party divided, and if you manage to retain your leadership, how are you going to regain the trust of those party members who did not vote in favor? And in the bigger picture, how are you going to regain the trust of Albertans, the ones who've indicated in, in recent polls that they've lost confidence in the party? Well, when, first of all, you, you're never going to have in a big um, party 100% unanimity. There's always going to be different views. And uh, conservatives are independently-minded people. Um, it, that's one of the reasons there's always been some uh, bumptiousness in the conservative movement in Alberta. You know, we've always had, in addition to, uh, for 45 years, a, a uh, conservative government in office, we always had two or three kind of marginal uh, conservative parties out there. There were always some people right of center who never wanted to participate in a big mainstream party. And that's just, I, I take that as a basic fact of Alberta politics. Uh, in terms of uh, the general public, I'm encouraged by the credible polls recently indicating that if an election were held now, we'd win a, a good majority. And that's w- after uh, going through the biggest collapse in the world economy in a century, the biggest public health crisis in a century, the biggest collapse of energy prices ever, having inherited a huge structural deficit from the NDP, making some really tough and, and admittedly unpopular decisions to get our finances back under control. We've got 14 months to go where we'll be leading Canada in economic growth, delivering on our key promises of jobs, the economy, pipelines, building a stronger Alberta. And at the end of the day, I'll be able to look Albertans in the eye and say that we did what we said we would do, which is how Ralph Klein won a larger majority after having cut 20% of spending back in the early 1990s. All right, let's uh, take a phone call now. And I think Justin has a similar question to the one I asked. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi, Premier Kenny. I agree with you 100% that the biggest threat to our party is an um, is a party divided. So what steps are you going to take to maintain caucus unity Have a, with Brian Jean now in the UCD caucus? Okay, thank you, Justin. Well, uh, let me put it this way. This is a Democratic Party, and I will accept uh, without any question the Democratic decision that our members make. And I expect all of our MLAs to do the same. Um, if If we have members after... Um, the leadership vote to refuse to accept the democratic decision, then um, they may need to find a different political home because we have to have at least a basic level of of teamwork, of discipline internally. We cannot continue uh, with um, a, a constant distraction because that's what conservatives did for the decade of division between 2005 and when we put this party together in 2017. 
And it said to Albertans that we were more concerned about settling scores and arguing internally than focusing on the people's priorities. So the message that I will deliver is, if I don't get the confidence of members in this vote, um, I will um, respect that and step aside. But if okay. I do, I expect all members uh, to fall behind the democratic uh, decision-making process. All right, one more call before we go to break. This one from Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hey, good morning, Wayne and Premier Kenny. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Kevin. Now that we're in a new uh, fiscal year and we're not racking up the debt anymore, what is Alberta's debt sitting at right now? Like, it's maxed out, not going to go any higher. What's it sitting at right now? What's the total? Yeah, I, I think uh, we're at about $93 billion in total taxpayer-supported debt, and we um, are planning a surplus this year. We projected a $500 million surplus, but quite frankly, that's based on $70 uh, WTI oil projection, and uh, it looks like we might get much higher uh, oil prices. So it's, it's possible we'll have very substantial surplus this year. And we haven't yet finalized or closed the books on the fiscal year that we just ended. Um, it's possible that we'll come very close to a surplus as opposed to a deficit in uh, the fiscal year we just ended. So um, now the key for us is to maintain a good degree of discipline so we don't make repeat the mistakes of the past and blow surpluses on uh, politically popular spending. That might be easy for politicians to do, but we've got to have the discipline to put that money in our piggy bank, the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, lockbox it, inflation protect it, so that it's there for generations to come and can help us to diversify the economy when in the future there is less demand for oil and gas. All right, Premier Kenny, we're going to have to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson, and I'll be back with Premier Jason Kenny and more of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier airs every Saturday morning at this time from 10 till 11 throughout Alberta here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and this is your opportunity to voice your concerns, address issues you feel are important to speak with the Premier one-on-one. -on -one. In Calgary, the number to call or text is 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Uh, Premier Kenny, we're going to go to one phone call, and then I'm going to take one text and perhaps a second one uh, related topics. So we're going to go right. first to Tom, and this is uh, what we had talked about previously, Premier Kenny, uh, but Tom has a question that uh, he would like answered. Tom, go ahead. Yes, uh, Mr. Premier, I must say how respectful I am of the work you've done and how hard you work for this province. I appreciate it very much. I'd like to ask you if you, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we yes, can hear you, Tom. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'd like can, to Tom. ask you, apparently... Uh, Brian Jean said yesterday that there were 91% of, uh, of delegates, they seem to be satisfied, maybe all right, and 9% apparently then that, aren't, that he's not satisfied or legitimate. Has he ever identified exactly how he came to that conclusion? Do you know where he might have stated why no, he feels that way? Honestly, Tom, I, I have no idea. I, I, to be, I'll just be really blunt with you. I don't pay attention to all that um, nattering and noise, you know. Um, it, it, let me, let's just be blunt. You know, Mr. Gene clearly never accepted the decision that the members made in choosing me to be the leader of the United Party back in, uh, in 2017. I was honored to receive, I think it was 62 or 63% of the vote on the first ballot there. And I don't believe, I stand to be corrected, 
but I don't believe he's ever said a single positive thing about the party, our platform, the government, its accomplishments since then. I do know that he was um, supporting the Derek Fildebrandt um, separatist party in the last election and and published an op-ed or a Facebook post a few months ago saying that we needed a new party, a centrist party. Uh, He suggested that Rachel Motley should be in the um, uh, cabinet COVID committee. Um, But uh, so, you know, because of all of that, I, I, I don't have time to spend time focusing on what every critic with an axe to grind has to say, to be perfectly honest with you. I think this should be up to the members, not Mr. Gene, not me. Uh, my record is clear, uh, and uh, my vision is as well. And I hope that the members choose to stay, keep united, go forward, focused on an amazing Alberta recovery. If they choose a different direction, I'll respect it 100%, and, and uh, I would support whoever's elected leader without any reservation. Premier Kenny, a text message that I'd like to read, uh, similar content. We're hearing instances, Mr. Premier, of people receiving emails advising them that they are now eligible for a mail-in ballot with no recollection of having paid for a membership or having it paid for by an immediate family member. Is this not in direct contravention of your party's membership rules? And if this is happening, how will you personally address this breach of trust in the leadership review process and deal with the individuals involved in allowing this illegal or at least party-based rule-breaking activity to occur? And how can we ensure these ethical breaches are not allowed to occur in the future? <laughs> so, Wayne, let's just track what happened there. So, some anonymous person texted you, and they said, quotes, we are hearing. Yes. And they proceeded to, to, to delineate a bunch of allegations without any evidence. Uh, this kind of stuff has been going on for a long time. Um, the party has uh, very clear rules in place. They have a... Um, chief returning officer to ensure their proper compliance. They have, uh, I think it's Deloitte as the external auditor. Um, and uh, so all of that, is, there's, a, there's a rigorous process in place. If people have any evidence of, of any problems, they should bring that to the attention of the appropriate folks responsible for that. I, don't, I obviously don't conduct the election. Um, it would be a conflict of interest if I was involved. I'm just trying to do my job here, which is to focus on delivering on our commitments to Albertans, moving forward with this incredible economic growth story. In a couple of days, I'll be welcoming the most powerful man of the United States Senate, Joe Manchin, to deepen our relationship and talk about strategic, strategically moving forward North American energy security. Um, so I'm focused on, on the big picture here. If, if people uh, have any evidence of, of issues they're concerned about with respect to party matters, they should bring those to, uh, to the attention of the appropriate people. All right. Now, you mentioned your meeting coming up with uh, Joe Manchin. Uh, Here's a sort of a somewhat related text. Uh, Chris from Airdrie has texted in and said, This week, Environment Minister Jason Nixon opened the door to turning off the taps to eastern Canada. How much worse does it need to get in federal-provincial relations before we let them experience a drastic reduction in CO2 emissions because they don't have fuel to use? (laughs) Well put. Um, It is... uh uh, bizarre to see the direction of American energy policy under Mr. Biden's administration, and, and, and basically it's an echo of Justin Trudeau's. Joe Biden killed uh, Keystone XL, just like Justin Trudeau killed Northern Gateway and Energy East. And uh, now the world realizes that it needs more uh, responsibly produced democratic energy from a place like Alberta. Certainly Senator Manchin realizes that, and that's why we'll be welcoming him here, because you know I was in Washington about seven weeks ago, partly to, to discuss these issues. 
and could really not get a, a, uh, a hearing from the U.S. administration that is desperately seeking increased imports from OPEC dictatorships. But Senator Manchin and many others in the U.S. Congress are very alive to the need to get more Canadian energy down south. And so we are, we are in discussions about some uh, uh, bold ideas, bold strategies, to hopefully get another pipeline bill uh, and to move beyond the kind of um, the, the kind of, frankly, ignorant energy policy that is characterizing decisions in Washington and Ottawa right now. All right. Back to the phones. Ken has been waiting for quite some time. Ken, you're on the air with the Premier Jason Kenney. Go ahead, sir. Hi, thank you. Uh, I was wondering about the basic personal amount uh, income tax exemption, the 19369 That's been stuck at that level for a couple of years, and I'm wondering when you might think about... Um, adjusting that, uh, taking into account inflation? Yeah, thank you. Good question. A couple of points there. We, we, we did posit, um, as part of our effort to balance the budget, we had to do some things to get on top of the $8 billion structural deficit that we inherited from the NDP. And we thought this was one relatively um, obvious way to do so, because Alberta's basic personal exemption is by far the most generous in Canada. Um, at $19,000 and change, it's about 40% more generous than the average across the country, and it's about $4,000 more generous than the second highest um, provincial basic personal exemption, which is next door in Saskatchewan. So um, as partly as a result of that very high basic personal exemption, which the Klein government brought in as part of the, uh, of the 10% single rate tax, um, about 40% of Albertans pay no provincial income tax at all. Now we are, as I said, we paused it to deal with the deficit, we are open to going back to indexing that and, and other aspects of the uh, provincial personal income tax code. We will be appointing uh, a expert panel to give us advice on how to come up with the most efficient tax system. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to their recommendations and, and move forward. And I do, do anticipate at some point in the future we'll bring back indexation on, the, on that basic exemption. All right. One more phone call. Uh, this is from Marnie. Uh, go ahead, Marnie. Hello there. Rural crime, my dear. We've been robbed seven times. Oh, my open, God. Yeah, seven open police reports. Uh, they arrested one. They found some property of ours on stolen on, the, on somebody's property. Fast forward a year, jumped through the COVID hoops four days before court, Crown drops the charges. Oh. Our, your, your new laws that you put in, man, to cover... Uh, uh, sorry, I'm very nervous. To no cover the when they trespass. It's got yeah. lots of pictures there, too. RCMP say that's provincial, my dear, and they refuse to charge with it. Well, Mar- it's Marlene? Marnie. Marnie. Mar- I'm sorry. Marnie. Thanks, Marnie. Yeah. I can't... That, look, I, 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 we certainly know about the rural crime wave in, in the past six or seven years in this province on property crimes, but for, to be robbed that many times is just awful. Just, I'm so sorry for what your family's gone through. And I know it feels like a, a violation in, in so many ways. Um, Listen, we, you're right. We did bring in that um, new provincial law, but the RCMP is is our provincial police agency, and they are responsible under the authority of Alberta's Solicitor General and Alberta laws to implement those things. So that, I, I would love to learn more about your that particular case, Marty, and track it back um, to see why they're claiming they can't enforce a provincial law. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
Um, Actually, I have the emails from there. I also would like to some transparency. The Crown prosecutor threw the charges out. She won't say why. That's all she did. Four days before court, she threw it out. I didn't even get a chance to look my accuser in the eye, man. $100,000 hit to us. We had some insurance. Insurance got cut off. I'm involved with the Justice Minister's office. Jason Nixon knows me by my first name. He's called me lots. I'd like to see some provincial laws put in. I can protect myself. I can't get the Crown and the RCMP to work together. Crown, your guy, Justice Minister's office, called on Friday wants me to press to get an investigation going into the RCMP for lack of whatever they missed in our court case up here. I'm 50 years old, man. That's the second time I've had to investigate the RCMP in the last 20 years. <laughs> Marnie, um, it, based on the, the, the way you presented that, it's just not acceptable. But the, the, at the very least, they should be communicating with you. You're the victim. Um, and uh, we were trying to get greater transparency for, for victims of crime. But too many cases have been dropped. And... Um, that's why we're, we're uh, in the process of hiring 50 additional prosecutors. We've taken big steps to, to try to clear out the backlog in the courts. Unfortunately, that went in the wrong direction during COVID because the courts suspended hearings and sittings for a long time. So we've got to get on top of that backlog. But more importantly, uh, prosecutors and police have got to communicate with the victims. Um, and, uh, and thank you for raising that, Marty. And I'll, I'll talk to, to your MLA about that. Premier Kenny, we're going to go to one more call, and uh, I know it's something that uh, has been discussed uh, previously, but uh, John would like to uh, bring up his point of view. John, you're on the air with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Uh, just uh, first a comment and then my question uh, very quickly. My comment is uh, I, I noticed uh, you said we do what we say. Well, um, on the vaccine passport, you weren't going to bring it in, and uh, that was kind of a switch switcheroo right there. So I'll let the listeners decide on that one. But here's my question. When was the, will your government recognize the true science and potential of natural immunity, not natural Im- alone, not natural immunity plus a controversial shot. When will that be addressed? Because there's much evidence out there with other countries about the power of natural immunity, and it's just poo-pooed here in our province. Okay, well, thank you, John. I'll just say we do recognize uh, natural immunity. I've been criticized uh, by uh, the lockdown advocates for having done so. I don't understand why. Um, Obviously, the uh, antibodies that you develop through prior infection uh, can uh, reduce the chances of in- infection for a period of time, and they can also help to reduce uh, severe outcomes. I often point to the big study done by the um, Maccabees Health Management Organization in Israel on this, but that same study, John, also points out, as does all of the research, that the strongest protection you can have from COVID is to have antibodies from prior infection, that's natural immunity, plus vaccines. It's not either or, and indeed, with the latest variants which are decreasing in severity, but, they, um, but they're much more transmissible. And so uh, prior infection, you know, natural immunity is, it has less effectiveness at preventing infection than it did earlier with earlier variants of COVID. In terms of um, the, uh, what you call the controversial shot, it's not controversial, John. Every, uh, every drug regulator on the face of the earth in every country has authorized the the uh, COVID-19 vaccines. They've been recommended by the medical regulators in every jurisdiction on the face of the earth. Here in Alberta, John, 99.8% 
of our medical doctors, our 10,000 plus medical doctors, have taken the vaccine. So um, it, it may be controversial in your mind, but it's not in terms of the broad spectrum of medical science and uh, uh, amongst physicians. Premier Kennedy, we're going to switch gears and uh, back to where we started from today. This is a text message from Matthew in Edmonton. The Premier responded to a question by saying the party has, quote, very clear rules in place, unquote, but it seems the party can change the rules at the final minute. Can the Premier confirm or deny that the 5,000 memberships purchased by a few people did not surpass election fundraising and donation limits? I have no idea if, if that's allegations even true. What I do know is that the, there's a requirement in the party bylaws that, uh, in, the, in fact, it can't be true because uh, there's a requirement, I think it's in Section 4, if I'm not mistaken, of the party bylaws that says uh, that a membership must be paid for by um, a, an individual or a member of their immediate family. And uh, people have to sign a form which includes an attestation that they are buying it themselves or for a member of their immediate family. So that's the, that's the rule. Uh, and people can't, you can't pay for large numbers of memberships beyond that. So I have no idea where that allegation is coming from. It's the first I've heard of it. And again, if, if this is more than just people trying to uh, stir up rumors and so forth, if you have anybody has any evidence of, of uh, inappropriate um, conduct in purchasing memberships, I urge them to, to bring that information forward. All right. Uh, back to the phones. And this is Zoe. Uh, go, go ahead, Zoe. You're on the phone with Premier Kenny. Hello, Mr. Kenny. Are you aware that the only hope to save your political career is to abolish and ban the digital ID? And what are your plans to do so? Zoe, what are the digital IDs? Can you Explain that to the me. digital IDs. Everybody thinks that the protests and everything is all about the vaccine mandates. It's not about that, Mr. Kenny. It's about the ties to the, the social credit system that is coming from China. And, and, and all of the digital ties and the constraints and the tyranny that comes with it. What are your plans to abolish the digital ID? We already have it in place in Alberta. And what is it? Gone. But what is this digital ID? I, I, I'm asking honestly. I don't. The digital like... ID is also tied to the WEF. It's tied We're... to the globalists. It is what is going to constrain us all, and is what it, we are all protesting downtown about. It is not about vaccine mandates solely. It is about this whole control system. It's about all of the tyranny and all of the foreign interference in our government. You spoke about the WEF and the Great Reset and to help to denounce that. Now, what are you going to do to stand up and actually abolish it from our government? We want to know. Zoe, I'm a little unclear too. Premier Kenny has asked a couple of times and so have I. What is the digital ID specifically? I, I don't get... The digital get... ID is a tracking system for, for individuals. It ties all of your information. Okay. It is what was on the vaccine passport. If you actually dive deeper into the vaccine passport, there's been records that have shown from Alberta Health that they're actually even showing your credit score, whether or not you've gone. No, okay, I, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that all of our uh, our digital information yeah. can be accessed and, and by somebody citizens, somewhere. We don't want to be controlled by that. All right. And then all of a sudden, the government will be able to, they can shut off your bank accounts because you've attended a protest. Sorry, well, Zoe, I, I think... it's all tying into it. I think so you, what are you going to do to stand up for citizens against all of this tyranny, Mr. Kenny? Zoe, thank you for the call. And Mr. Kenny? 
Yeah, actually, uh, Wayne, I, I'm still not really clear. Uh, Zoe uh, seemed to claim that the Chinese government and the World Economic Forum have created some um, ID system that is not issued I, by the government of Alberta. That I, I think what she's if, if, I think if, if she's what she's saying is that all of if our talking, if I could wait, if she's talking generally about. Um, about information that we all have online, yes, you know, like our, our credit records or information like that, banking information. Um, look, every time somebody goes and signs up for an account online, be it a social media account, a financial account, they have to give their consent. They're not required to sign up or share any information. And then the people who get that information are bound by both federal and provincial privacy laws, which are quite rigid. So if Zoe has any evidence of companies that are abusing, violating the Privacy Act, um, I encourage her and her um, um, fellow-minded people to bring that information forward because that would be potentially a crime. Um, and um, she mentioned the uh, proof of vaccination that was issued by Alberta Health. Um, no, that's, that doesn't link to anybody's credit record or anything of that nature. It, it simply has a, a URL which uh, can display for people who are now traveling and they want, if they want to um, travel and they they need to comply with the federal requirements for the vaccine proof of vaccination, we have to issue to them at their request um, a machine readable format that basically just says when and when when and where they received a vaccine. That's that's it. That's all the information that's there. And and we've always governments have always issued people proof of vaccination when they've asked for it because it's their information. All right, uh, to the phones and Jamie has a question regarding the Alberta advantage to oil. And one, two, hang on here. I got to get the right phone line on. Uh, right here, Jamie, go ahead. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Good morning. Uh, my my little uh, request is I want the Alberta advantage back. So. While the government's raking in billions from the oil and gas industry, and I appreciate you dropped the provincial tax on uh, gas, I want to see gas, like gasoline and diesel prices, capped at a dollar in the province of Alberta. I don't care what these oil companies want to do outside Alberta, what they want to charge, but where's our advantage? We're the fourth largest producer of oil in the world. You think they're paying? Our prices for diesel and gas in Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. So we want the advantage back to Albertans. And can you imagine how much industry is going to come to Alberta when they see that gas and diesel capped at a dollar? They'll come running across the border to start up in Alberta. That's my request. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Jamie. We sure want the Alberta advantage back. You and I are agreed on that. And, and I would say we do have that back. We're leading the country in economic growth. Uh, StatsCan came out with another positive jobs report yesterday, 7,400 new jobs. So that's like, I think, 140,000 in the last 14 months. Uh, we're seeing incredible growth in our traditional industries like oil and gas, but also diversification. We have the lowest personal taxes, the lowest business taxes. We're the only problems with no fuel tax, the only problems with no capital tax, no payroll tax, no uh, land transfer tax, no sales tax. Um, our cost, our ho- cost of housing in Alberta is about one third of what it is in BC and Ontario, um, and we are now the least regulated province in Canada. We got more work to do for sure, Jamie. And you're right, we are energy rich, and that's exactly why, with these high prices, we passed on uh, um, some of the benefit of that by uh, scrapping the fuel tax, and um, that's uh, it's going to be, be uh, that's a few hundred bucks for people per year. 
We're also doing a, a $6.50 a gigajoule cap on natural gas prices, and then a rebate will kick in. We're getting very close to that price. Price. We're also providing a rebate for electricity. But to put a $1 uh, uh, cap per liter on price and have the government, well, first of all, you know, I, I don't want to get into socialist economics where we are, uh, has the government choosing the price of products because that screws up the market. That's that much we know um, from the history of economics. But secondly, if the government were to do that, it would cost us billions more and we'd run out of the surplus that we should be saving. All right. Quick text message. This one from uh, looks like from B.C. Uh, good morning. Quick question from an oil and gas worker. Why can't we run Energy East or another line from the U.S. border crossing to Doug Ford friendly Ontario? Let's get a line out to Sarnia. I don't get why we are not with Saskatchewan and Manitoba in our pocket. Oh, well, we certainly have Manitoba and Saskatchewan completely on site and Ontario. Uh, they actually passed a, a law early in the Ford government um, saying that they 100% supported uh, more pipelines, including one going to the East Coast. And we do have one going to Sarnia, of course. And that that's basically um, line five that passes through Michigan. Unfortunately, the Democrat governor there is trying to shut it down. So we're in court fighting her ridiculous effort to shut that down. That's what delivers most of the gas to southern Ontario and parts of Quebec. Um, when I say gas, I should say oil that turns into gasoline. Uh, but uh, 100% I agree. And I am also interested in the possibilities of Hudson's Bay. And I've talk, spoken to the premiers of, of Sask and Manitoba, as well as the owners of the Churchill Port and Northern Manitoba First Nations, about the possibility in the future of uh, using that uh, uh, cold water port uh, for potential exports for oil or gas. That's not something that's going to happen right away. But I, th- I think it could be part of our long-term future as part of our energy uh, and resource corridor strategy. All right. Related uh, question from the text line. Good morning, Premier. In light of recent world events, do you think now would be a good time to reintroduce the ethical oil campaign? Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly what we ran on, effectively. That's why we created the Canadian Energy Centre, um, which whose job it is to, to fight back against the, the lies and myths being told about Alberta Energy. And uh, they've been, right now, as I speak, they're running a uh, Say Yes to Canadian Energy campaign down in the U.S. They're going to expand that, I believe. They've run ads in, in B.C. Um, about the importance of Trans Mountain. And they'll be, I believe, running campaigns in, in Quebec and Ontario. So that's exactly why we created that. We put some money behind it. It's actually being funded by the industry through the um, levy on major industrial emissions. And, um, and, and yeah, that's, that's very important work. All right. Uh, one call. This is from Wade from Edmonton, and we'll go to Wade before we hit our next break. Uh, Wade, you're on the air with Jason Kenny. Okay, I don't know if it's Wade or Wayne. It's Wayne from Edmonton. Okay, Wayne from Edmonton. The line, Wade. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wade. Okay, uh, actually, a couple of things. Uh, I touched on this, and I wasn't really satisfied with uh, the answer last weekend. But with the, the new... Um, I heard that one of the companies up at McMurray for the tar sands, uh, or the oil sands, I should say, sorry, my mistake, I'm an Albertan. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, one is opening a new section or something, there's a, an uh, application. Now, what I want to know is, what do they do after they finish with one section, and what's the timeline for reclamation of that land? Okay, that's one. Now, uh, the other one is that uh, for every barrel that goes out, 
we should charge five cents per, uh, per barrel that goes out for recreation of the oil wells uh, heads that are not reclaimed or cannot be done. You know, old oil wells and all that. All right. Okay. Wayne, we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to hold it there because we're coming up to a break. Okay, uh, thank you for listening to me. You bet. So I, I don't I don't have the exact answer for Wayne on what the timeline is for reclamation, but it is a uh, very real obligation. If you go up north, you'll you'll see in Wood Buffalo huge tracts of land that have been reclaimed from uh, bitumen mines and are a great part of the the, the Alberta. Uh, environmental story on energy production. On the second issue, the, the um, oil and gas producers actually do have to pay into uh, the Orphan Well Association, which is there to take care of uh, reclamation of abandoned wells by companies that have gone ban- bankrupt or right. that have been there for decades. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenney. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier, broadcast throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 until 11 in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chad. If you have something you want to bring to the Premier's attention, a concern or an issue, a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, well, here's your opportunity to chat one-on-one. You can phone or text in Calgary, 403-974-8255. The number in Edmonton, 780-496-0063, and across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Just a recommendation, please keep your texts short as well. There's been some fairly lengthy ones, and I just don't have time to read all of those on the air, Uh, just like I would like you to keep your questions short and to the point as well. All right, uh, we're going to go to Gord in Edson. Uh, Gord's been hanging on for quite some time. Go ahead, Gord. You're on the air with Premier Kenny. Thank you very much, Premier. As far as I'm concerned, you're doing an outstanding job. I, and I, there's no doubt in my mind you'll be the, the next Premier after this uh, deal. But there's one thing I wanted to ask you. What are you doing? For, what do you plan on doing for seniors? Seniors have made this country. They live on a fixed income. The price of everything is going skyrocketing, but the, the price of their, their income is, is not moving a bit. What do you have in mind? Yeah, thank you, Gord. Thanks for your kind words. And and you're right uh, that seniors generally do have fixed incomes, and they're more vulnerable to inflation, uh, which is at a 30-year high. Food prices are up 18% over the last five years, and the carbon taxes are making everything more expensive. Uh, So, look, uh, Gord, the the relief we put in for the uh, fuel tax and the electricity rebate uh, that's about uh, $1.7 billion, and, and that will help everybody, including seniors. Even if seniors who don't drive a lot, it, it will reduce transportation costs for things like food and other stuff that people have to buy. So that will help to some extent. But as you know, like almost all of the income programs that support seniors, uh, uh, CPP, OAS, GIS, um, and the other, the, the federal, uh, the, the seniors tax credits, uh, those are administered by the federal government. We don't have a lot of um, levers to pull in that way. Um, the main thing is we've just got to stop this crazy out-of-control inflation. Unfortunately, I think this week's federal budget is only going to make it worse because they continue to print money recklessly through their monetary policy, but also uh, these huge deficits and overspending. Uh, they um, also accelerate inflation, make it worse. So uh, at the very least, we're, we're going to keep fighting for them to stop raising the carbon tax they want to put it up by another um, from 50 to 170 dollars a ton, and that's going to hammer seniors on fixed incomes the hardest. 
Premier Kenny, you just mentioned the uh, federal budget. Now, you and your MLAs have had a bit more time to comb through the fine print since uh, Thursday's announcement. Anything further, any further comment apart from the initial response that has come to light? Well, a couple things. First of all, I, I have to give credit where it's due. We worked really hard over the past uh, 18 months to get the feds to deliver a uh, big tax credit for carbon sequestration. Now, I know that doesn't uh, affect most people's lives directly, but it's a big deal for our economy because um, for our oil sands to have a future and, and petrochemicals, hydrogen, cement, many other industries, they need to be able to use the uh, growing carbon capture and storage technology. We've, we've been early adopters on that in Alberta. Sure. The Americans are eating our lunch. So that tax credit, tax credit is really positive. Very quickly, we're disappointed, though. Nothing on equalization reform, nothing on fiscal stabilization, which they owe us about a uh, billion dollars on, and nothing, uh, no increase in federal health transfers, when that's something we re- where all of the provinces desperately need help. All right. Back to the phones. Martin uh, has been holding on here for about 20-some minutes. Uh, Martin calling from Edmonton. Go ahead, Martin. You're on the air. Yes, hello. Good morning, um, Mr. Kenny. Um, my my question um, relates to people living on AISH, um, which is the assured income for the severely handicapped, and also those people that uh, those same people that qualify for the federal CPP disability pension. Mm-hmm. Now, certain AISH clients who qualify for the CPP disability pension are having it stripped from their AISH benefits. I'm asking you to please uh, petition Mr. Jason Lewin to remove this unfair and punishing tax and uh, and give you know families that are struggling to survive and coping with disabilities that are quite oftentimes debilitating and they can't work they can't um, they're not able to you know, self-sustain themselves otherwise, other than mm-hmm. through the H benefits and the CPP. So I'm asking you to, if you could please uh, petition Mr. Lewin to have that um, deduction removed so that folks living on, on H and are disabled that can't work have a more meaningful life. Okay. But we are struggling to survive. Thank you. Thank you. That's Gord? It's Martin. Martin, I'm sorry, Martin. Yeah, sorry, Gord was an earlier caller. Martin, uh, thank you for that. Uh, and and from, for making me aware, I was not aware of that aspect of um, how AISH kind of relates to the federal tax code there. I suspect that's been the rule for a very long time. But um, you've, you've educated me on that, and I'll, I'll, get, uh, I'll look into this um, and, and see how it's treated in other provinces and, and uh, see what the rationale is for that. And, and so just thank you for putting it on my radar screen. All right, um, Premier Kenny, we have time for one more call. This one is uh, Doug from Calgary. Doug, please keep it short uh, because we're coming up against a break. Hi, Mr. Kenny. I just wanted to ask you about oversight of a couple of departments, uh, the health care and our justice system. Uh, the problem that I have with the current system is that it seems like lawyers are in charge of the legal system and doctors and nurses are in charge of the healthcare system. I've found through life's experience that people have a hard time uh, separating their own interests from uh, what is good for maybe the taxpayers. Right. Can you address that? Well, that is, uh, that's a very 
smart, really thoughtful insight there, uh, Doug. I uh, let me just say that you're, you're right to raise some of these issues. Uh, we need greater accountability from Alberta Health Services in particular. We have one of the biggest health budgets per person in in Canada, but we're not getting the bang for the buck, despite the best efforts of our fantastic frontline health professionals. Um, and, you know, we went into this, into 2019, when we came to office, we had, uh, we inherited the smallest number of intensive care beds in Canada per capita with the second biggest health budget per capita. Like, how does that make any sense at all? And to be blunt, uh, I don't believe that, that, gov- that we were uh, well served in terms of information and planning um, from AHS through uh, much of the pandemic. Uh, I appreciate everybody's hard work. But I do think Albertans have a right to expect greater accountability and greater results. And thank you for raising that. Premier Kenny, we've run out of time. Boy, the hour flies by. And uh, thank you for taking the time to answer the calls again today. And, and, and we now I've got to go give a speech. So thanks very much. I appreciate everybody who called in and texted. Look forward to doing this next week. You bet. We will do it again Saturday morning at this same time. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.